0: Good morning again. We are going to open our scriptures. I hope I did. There we go. I did it right. We're going to open the uh, scripture to Psalm 23 again this week. Verse 4. I would encourage you to find that. As you find that, I just want to point out something important occurs in Deuteronomy 6, Nehemiah 9, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter thirteen, Hebrews eleven, among other places, the thing that occurs there is a history of God's or God's a summary of God's work through history with His covenant people is told. There's this sort of sometimes chapter long or sermon long exposition of what God has done with His covenant people to enact or work towards salvation. And they're remarkable when they show up. You can find them peppered throughout Scripture. What's seen in those moments is God's faithfulness, God's care. But especially what I want to focus on this morning is God's presence is seen. Throughout history, God is present with his people. And that's what you see David talking about in Psalm 23 as well. He's testifying to the fact that God is there. And the shepherd, we've said already for the past few weeks, offers his care if we live under his authority. That doesn't mean that God doesn't care if we don't live under his authority. He wants us to live under his authority. That's when the care is elevated and we actually are brought into his salvation. And uh, anything short of that, we're going to experience some of the general care of God, but not the special, specific care that he has for all of his creation that he enacted through Jesus Christ to save us from the curse of sin. And so as we live under his authority, we begin to experience that, the transformation and the hope that we're supposed to have and it comes through Jesus Christ. But what we get in this week's text is is the issue of living under his care. We've seen through the, the text what it means to live under his care to some degree, but in this week's text, we're in a moment where things are anxious, where danger lurks, And so the point I want to make this week is that as we live under the care and authority of the shepherd, in anxious times, the shepherd is there with us. When things press in on us for following the shepherd, the shepherd is there with us in those times. And so we read verse 4 of Psalm 23. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so now in the text, we've moved from abundance, the green pastures, the still waters, to the spare times, to the difficult times, the hard times, the anxious times. This darkest valley, or translations have the valley of the shadow of death, probably is the one we're most familiar with. That's kind of the, it's, it's a hyperbolic way to say this is the worst possible. It feels like death is at the door. E- either one works because it's telling us this is a time of deep sorrow that I'm going through. One, one way it's kind of understood the, the depths of the, the phrase behind it is sort of having eyes of weeping. Right? Very sorrowful moment. This is a time of distress, of danger. That, this, that the sheep is experiencing or the flock is experiencing in this. And we need to distinguish something here. This is, this is a little broader than what we'll run into next week because next week we'll get to verse 5 where King David is no longer a sheep. He's a person again in the text, and he's talking about being in the midst of his enemies next week. That could be included in this, but this is a little broader walking through the valley of the shadow of death of the darkest valley. It's just danger in general. It's living in the world in many ways. We understand that living in the world, there are going to be many dangers that we may face, and most of the time, they're not going to be ever present. But as sheep are led by the shepherd, they run into all kinds of things that could get them. Here's, a, here's a, an example of, of one thing that could get them. About 20 years ago, I was in the, the Middle East. I was in Jerusalem and uh, for about a month in that area, and we were in uh, the old city. We had a free day, kind of a free afternoon, so I got some falafel from a cart, and then I was kind of looking around some of the shops, you know, and this is the old city that's old. They've been there for centuries, you know, tight corridors, little shops in each one of these little corridors, really fascinating place to be. And so I ate my falafel, and then I went and uh, went into this shop that was pretty spare. Um, I hadn't been in this one before, and so I'm talking to the shop owner who had some, you know, his English was pretty fair, so we could have a good conversation. Uh, but then just unexpectedly, and I still haven't figured this out, from behind the desk that he did his little transactions from, he pulls out, you know, if you ever go to Sam's or Walmart or somewhere like that, and you get the big giant cheese ball container and plastic, slightly smaller version of that, and it has a snake in it, and the lid is on it. Now, I'm not uh, somebody who studied snakes extensively, but as a kid, I thought they were interesting like every animal, so I've watched a lot of nature shows, I've seen a lot of snakes, I kind of have an idea of generally, what snakes are what, um, and, and so I'm looking at this snake, and I said, that's interesting, cautiously stepping back, where did you get that snake? Oh, I got it from Egypt, and so already, I'm like, this is a dangerous snake, and I'm looking at it, and I've since looked it up, and yes, it was a highly venomous snake, I knew it then, he said, do you want to hold it? I said, no, I do not want to hold that snake, and so he put it away, and we moved on with our, our days. I still have never quite figured out the interaction because there wasn't anything threatening. You just had a snake. Hey, this is a cool snake. It's in a jar. But if you're a sheep walking through the wilderness, guess what you have to contend with? On the ground, there are snakes, some of which are venomous. There are bears. There are other things that will try and eat you as you go along or try and attack you. There are people who might try and steal a sheep along the way. That's what happens when you live in the world. Those dangers can lurk. But most of the time, they're fairly benign or they're in the background and we face those too right we all drove to church this morning in cars we could have gotten hit on the way to church we know that's a reality and a possibility we do all kinds of things Um, we're wearing masks but we're out we know that there's a possibility we could get COVID but we're trying to take precautions that a little more present than maybe our usual flu season where we're just washing our hands a little bit more uh If you're downtown sometime, you may walk by a dark alley as you go to your car after a football game or something like that. Most of the time, probably nothing could happen. But it's a dark alley, right? Something could happen in a dark alley. We live in Nebraska. Tornadoes. They happen here. We've lived in places where earthquakes can happen. Tidal waves can happen. Uh, We've lived in places where bears and mountain lions are around. But most of the time, we're not worried about those things. We go on about our day. But sometimes the reality of those things, COVID might be a good example, become more present in our life where we're a little more anxious, we're a little more concerned, we're a little more worried about that. And that's where we're at when it says the valley of the shadow of death. It's those times when we're in sort of the crucible, we're really concerned that danger lurks around the corner and we're anxious about it, we're worried. And the places in the text that we've already read where this can happen are are kind of two, and one of them is kind of unexpected, which is by the still water. By the still water is a calm place because we're with the shepherd, but by the still water can also be a dangerous place. If you imagine the world that David is writing in, in the Middle East, uh, the water is down at the bottom of basins, typically, where there's lush green, and everywhere else just outside of that is going to be dry, where there's not food, and there's not water. So for the safety of the animals, they come down into the the cool and get the water and the food that's there. But if you've ever watched a documentary of animals in Africa, who else is at the watering hole? Not just the plant eaters, right? Meat eaters are there lurking, waiting to get some prey. It could be a dangerous place as much as there's tranquility and refreshment there. But probably more in mind here in the Valley of the Shadow of Death is something like uh, a dry valley where there's narrow passageway to get the sheep from green pastures to the next green pastures. In between, it's dry and sparse, and there's not much there, and that's where the danger lurks. In fact, what people often have in mind is is one specific place that you'll see on a picture here. It'll come on the screen, both at home. This is St. George's Monastery, which is uh, between Jerusalem and Jericho, in basically the valley of the shadow of death is what people envision. Uh, and, and if you're on the emails uh, from the church, Tuesday there will be one that comes out of a flyover that's pretty cool of this, just so you can kind of get an impression of the scope of, of sort of this valley of the shadow of death. Maybe it's not what David meant specifically, but this kind of is what people envision and what would have been envisioned uh, for David as they're moving sheep around. You've got to transition from one place to another. It's narrow. It's, it's steep. You could fall off a cliff. Robbers could be around one corner. A bear could be around a corner. Different things could be there. And you need somebody who's a sure guide to get you through that. But your, your awareness of the dangers is going to be much more heightened in a place like that. This is also the kind of area that the Good Samaritan story happens. This kind of valley, perhaps even this one, is what Jesus had in mind, where robbers beat the man and leave him uh, for dead. Danger lurks on those paths. But I want us to to recognize the image of God that's in the text at this moment, even amongst that danger and the anxiety that could come there. So if we look back at the text, if we look back at verse 1, there's actually only one sort of title for God that's there in the text. When verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, Adonai is my shepherd, is the actual specific title for God used there, uh, which would mean Lord, and that's usually why you see L-O-R-D usually in all caps, in some way in your text, is usually referring to Adonai, which means Lord, or the owner of the sheep, the owner of everything. That's what that Adonai means, the sort of the powerful owner of all. But as you keep reading through, you kind of see how the language between sheep and shepherd changes and gets a little more personal for Adonai, our shepherd. So in verses 2 and 3, you read, he makes me, he leads me, he guides me, and it's his paths of righteousness. So it's pointing to the shepherd and his ownership over the sheep and those things. But now in verse 4, it gets more personal because he says, You are with me. Not he, but you are with me. You're my shepherd, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. It's very personal language that's there. And the presence of the Lord is right there with the sheep. That's what we should catch. Now, it doesn't use this title for God, but the concept for, for this title for God is all throughout Scripture. Um, and I want to give it to you because I want you to, I'm going to kind of encourage you at the end of the sermon to pray this title of God or name of God this week. Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is there. It actually only occurs about two or three times in Scripture altogether. If you're looking for exactly where it occurs, the last verse of Ezekiel is the place where you'd see it most present. Yahweh Shammah. Yahweh is I am. God fills in the meaning of that name. I am your provider throughout scripture. I am your banner. I am your salvation throughout scripture here. I am there. Not there. I'm there with you. Is what this title is. Yahweh Shammah. And that concept is all throughout scripture and it's right here. That the Lord is there with his sheep. If you go back, you kind of get a first impression of this, I would say, in the actual place where we get the title for God, I Am, Yahweh. Back in Exodus, um, just to give you one image of where, where of the history of, of what David is pointing to, of, of this kind of care throughout history, Exodus 2, starting at verse 23, the people are in Egypt, um, they're enslaved in Egypt, and we read in Exodus 20, or chapter 2, verse 23, it says, During that long period the king of Egypt died, Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, uh, because of their slavery, went up to God. And it says, God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now, God never forgot about the Israelites. He remembered that is to say he recognized the groans is what that means of his people and acknowledged them. God was there. In their time of anxiety, God was there. And how does he show up? Well, when Moses is out in the wilderness, the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 15, God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, uh, and he's already introduced himself as I am Yahweh before that, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. God's saying, I'm showing up in your time of distress. I'm there with you. It's all throughout Scripture that the Lord does that. He shows up. That's why we commented on Deuteronomy 6. Go read it later. Nehemiah 9. Read it later. Acts 2, Acts 7, Acts 13, Hebrews 11, among others. What's happening in those that are remembering Yahweh Shama, the Lord who is there? all throughout history in the good times and the bad times in the time of distress and they're giving a testimony to how God was there through all of those times especially the difficult times and of course the ultimate Yahweh Shammah moment comes when Jesus comes that's the ultimate God is there moment where he sends himself as Jesus to rescue you and me We've already heard from John 10, 10 that the thief comes to kill and destroy. I've come to me, have life, Jesus says, and have it abundantly. But in John 10, 11, the next verse, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I show up and I rescue my sheep. That's what Jesus says. I am there. When you walk with the shepherd, he is there with us. And so a question to ponder at this point is, what is your Yahweh Shama story? Consider that today and this week. What is your Yahweh Shama story? What's your testimony of how God has shown up and been there in your life? Right with you, especially in the anxious times. Shepherding you, guiding you, making you lie down in green pastures. I didn't, remember the text doesn't say asking you, right? It says making you lie down in green pastures. Consider that this week, and let's consider these last couple points here. i said that poorly because that doesn't mean I'm ending right now, just so you know, sorry. But if the Lord is there, what does the Lord do? What do we see in the text that he does in this passage? If the Lord is there, what does he do? And I want to give us a reality check. If we're going through those anxious moments, the stressful times in life, the hard times, those anxious moments are the moments when we actually feel most isolated and alone. We feel like nobody else is going through this experience. I'm the only one in the world who's going through this experience. Nobody has it like this. This is hard. That's the feeling we have. And it feels very real, it feels very present but it's not true. We're not the only ones experiencing it, and if we follow the shepherd, we're not alone, but we can feel very isolated in those moments, and that that can compound the anxiety and the feeling of being overwhelmed that we might have in those moments. But what we see in the text, in this verse, is that the Lord, my shepherd, if we follow him, we claim him as mine, my shepherd comforts, In those anxious times. And how does he do it? Well, the rod and the staff are how he does it in this particular case. Let's talk about the staff first. And the staff was for certainly stability for the shepherd, but it's also for guidance. If you're in those narrow passageways where the sheep could fall or where things could be around the corner, you need to at some point stand in places where you can guide the sheep with the staff and make sure they stay on the path and stay together If a sheep starts to wander off, you can use their walking stick Is really all it was. Hey, sheep, come back. That's what it's for. It's for guidance, moving them back on right paths. It's crucial in those dark valleys, in those narrow moments when we feel anxiety. And if we then claim to follow the shepherd, we're actually to follow the good shepherd, Jesus. That's where all this was pointing towards. And in following the good shepherd, he leads us. And comforts us to bring us on, keep us on the path and stay with Him through all of this. But we can feel isolated if we don't heed the call and, the, and if we don't allow the staff to draw us back. Back when I was uh, working in a hospital setting as a hospital chaplain, um, one of the more memorable experiences I had was it was simple and yet remarkable and profound to me. Um, There was a